Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the best show on the internet. This is the RR Show, and this is episode 146, r slash let's not meet. Please take a second to check out our Patreon. There is a brand new episode on there every Wednesday. A whole episode just like this one that you can only get if you're a patron. I bet that's expensive, I hear you ask. No, it's not. At the moment, it is $4 a month. It's $1 per episode. You can find that down the back of your couch and then you can get some extra juicy good episodes. Four of the damn things a month. But without further ado, let's get ready and let's get in to episode 146. Well, ladies and gentle fellas, welcome back to the show and welcome back to the basement. This had a few upgrades recently if you've seen our YouTube. This first story is from Opath Awesome. I'm pretty sure they weren't rats. I was 14 years old when I had to live with my grandparents. I had to live with them because my sister was in college and my parents were divorced. They lived in this old bungalow type house. It was one story and we have stairs that immediately go up into the attic. An attic which no one really uses. We just put stuff in there. It's too hot and stuffy up there. The sole window up there didn't really help. The attic had old, creaky wooden floors that I remember that I have to polish with a coconut shell because that's how we do it here in the Philippines. That and my grandparents are very traditional. Anyways, my door room was near the stairs leading up to the attic. Like you open my door and then face right and the stairs would be immediately right there. I hated that every time I left my room because I would expect that something would be immediately crawling down from the attic. One night though, my grandparents had to pick up my aunt's family from the airport, but because of the hellish traffic here, they had to leave at 7pm and their expected arrival back home would be at most 5am. So, a 14 year old girl would be alone at home the whole time. I told them I would be safe here. We live in a gated community, we've got tons of guard dogs, everything will be okay. Or so I thought. Before they left, we already had dinner, so I was stuck with cleaning the dishes and all. As I was doing that, I could hear a bunch of neighboring dogs barking a lot. I didn't really think much of it, because the dogs always do that. When I finished cleaning up from dinner, I immediately had to lock every door and window and close all the lights before heading to bed. When I entered my room, the lights were open and it looked normal. My anime posters were on the wall, my closet was untouched, my bed was next to my barred tinted windows. We had to tint them because I was on the first floor and my grandparents wanted to make sure nobody would be peeping into a young girl's room. They were barred too because my uncle, who used to use the room, always escaped through there to go to parties. This was my grandparents' solution to that. Nothing was out of place to alarm me. Everything was normal. Until I turned off the lights. As soon as I closed my eyes, a silhouette of a man was illuminated by the streetlights outside. He looked like he had thick curly hair and a skinny build. I thought I was hallucinating. So I turned the lights on. He was gone. Turned them off. He was back again. On. Gone. Off. Gone. 
I sighed in relief. I was just tricking myself. Or something else was casting the shadow. I double locked my doors just to be safe. One with the doorknob lock and one of those door latch type locks. Then tucked myself in. It was hard to fall asleep when the dogs were barking outside. They weren't our dogs, they're the neighbor's dogs. But I was finally falling asleep when I heard something from above moving. Something in the attic. I pushed down the fort. I'm tricking myself again. (laughs) I hugged my pillow. It's just rats, I said to myself. These rats seemed very heavy. (laughs) We're also pushing furniture around. My heart sank when I heard them hurriedly go down the stairs and stop at the bottom. I covered myself with my blanket and I waited for something. I was also wishing that my parents had given me a phone at a time like this, but I only waited with bated breath. Suddenly I heard my doorknob being gently fiddled. I wanted to vomit when I heard a click, followed by a quiet turn of the knob. The knob turned, but it didn't budge. When they noticed they tried to push it, this time I had finally stood up, shaking. I was a kid, home alone, no phone, no means of defense. All that was saving me was this thick old door. I softly pushed my body up against the door and locked everything up again. I didn't want to make a sound. I didn't want to scream. I didn't want him to know I was here. I don't know why he stopped, but he did. I didn't go back to my bed. I just sat there at the door, waiting. It felt like forever. I heard footsteps go up the stairs, but I still sat there. I saw something move in the corner of my eye. There, out the window, the shadow was back. I forced myself not to look. All I could think of was, thank God that they're barred. I don't remember what happened after that. I think I fell asleep or was too scared to even think straight. I just remember the next day when my family and I were finally having breakfast. I casually brought it up. Grandpa? I think I heard footsteps in the attic last night. Oh, it's probably just rats. I never brought it up again. I didn't want them to worry. I probably was. But I do know this. Our dogs were caged up near the gate and were far from my room, so they wouldn't have seen anything. The only dogs who were near my room were the neighbors. Also, there was nothing outside my window that could cast a shadow that looked like a man. And lastly, the attic window was open. Oh god, that one gave me goosebumps. Okay, right, our next one is from... Let's take a looky here. Pretty damn petty. Neighbor man stalked entire family for two years. I'm omitting identifying details for the sake of privacy. If your world absolutely cannot go on without them, feel free to DM me. You've got a 50-50 shot of me answering or telling you to fuck off. Let's wind it back to 2007-2008. I was 16 when this began, 18-19 to when it finally went to court. Picture a 
Norman Rockwell-esque suburban family. Parent, three kids, a yard and a dog in a blink-and-you-miss-it USA town. One random day, a neighbor man has a mild dispute with his neighbor. As a totally warranted response, a neighbor man takes every hose he has and floods their yard. Solid decision leads to solid consequences, so naturally he was fined for water waste. My parents run the water in small town USA, and because neighbor man lived a block from us, he decided to drive over to the water district, shouting that he is an acquaintance of my parents. Second solid decision of many to come from neighbor man. Absolutely no one takes kindly to name droppers, so tuck that gem away under life facts. My parent comes in and tells him even if his kids did this, they would have the same repercussions. Gracefully glossing over the fact that other than maybe driving by one another, none of us have ever actually interacted with neighbor man. Neighbor man repeats the name of the man working the front desk as well as my parents' name and claims, it's now personal, and storms out. My family members and I begin to see neighbor man at random places constantly, the DMV, the grocery store, our respective jobs. Apparently, when you're cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs and your parents pay for your house, you have all kinds of time for shit like stalking. It went from random sightings while out and about to phone calls. The cliche 90s type of call, breathe, hang up, and I can see you variety. At this point, Neighbor Man was more of an annoyance than scary, but as I have stated, when you underestimate crazy, you lose every time. Neighbor man began parking across from our house, staying from 6 p.m. to 4 a.m. Literally, just sitting in his car, blasting music, staring at the house. Fool must have had the determination and bladder of a racehorse because that fuck would sit there for 10 hours. His music was trash too. Maybe he was a masochist and into self-harm, seeing how long he could suffer through shitty music and a full bladder. I doubt anyone with a semi-rational concept of social interaction could fathom why. This went on from three to four times a week to nightly occurrences. Imagine being a 16-year-old female that doesn't even feel comfortable to change in a room because of the prospect he might see through the blinds somehow. Trying to sleep, knowing he's out there. We were prisoners in our own home. He began to get bolder. Neighbor man drove his car at speed up onto the sidewalk at my sibling and her partner while they were on the sidewalk out front coming home from a date. They both had to physically jump out of the way to avoid being hit. He made lewd gestures at me when I brought my dog out for a walk and was waiting for my sibling to come out and join us on the walk. It was so bad I ended up crying and going inside. This has been going on for a year at this point. The cops always said the same thing. Uh, there's nothing we can do unless there's a threat made against you or someone is harmed. My parent confronted, meaning got tired of his shit and asked him what he thinks he's doing. Neighbor man in the street after my incident. To which neighbor man called the cops on us. And they came asking us why we were harassing and threatening neighbor man. I will never understand why the system waits until you're a victim rather than prevent someone from being victimized. Almost two years in and it's Christmas time. My parent has a brain aneurysm. Fortunately, they made it through without any lingering effects, which is extremely rare. 
I convinced my other parent, who's been living at the hospital with their sick partner, to come home and shower and eat. About 9pm, we get a knock on the door. A random man in ratty clothes holding a Christmas present says he is there to deliver it to our family. We ask who sent him and he says he can't say. We ask who he works for and he shoves the gift at my parent and leaves. We're obviously uncomfortable opening it. However, curiosity prevails and the present gets opened. Inside is a 17-page document on the grounds of why Neighborman is suing my parent that was currently in the hospital. Even I could tell it was fake with the grammatical errors and typos. Neighborman took the time to sit and type this up himself, thinking it would scare us. The document and fake details he put in it did not. The fact this 40-something-year-old man was so fixated on our family that he sat and typed a 17-page fake document did scare us. Things progressed and neighbor man began pacing in front of his car and pretending to have phone calls where he talked about pushing my parent down the stairs or knowing where we kids went to school and worked and how easy it would be to access us at any time. At this time, I worked a closing shift that let me off about 1am. He would be parked next to my car and follow me home. One time, I even tried to take random roads and he still stayed right behind me. Pulling up to the house with neighbor man parked across the street, think neighborhood street with maybe 5 feet between a car parked on one side and the other, and having to get out and run to the door was a nightmare. We were all exhausted from not only the aneurysm scare but also living looking over our shoulders. My parents' friend told her friend, who is a district attorney, about the situation. She called and came over and took our case on pro bono. Testifying whew, was a wild ride. We had to put in official statements prior to being called to the stand. We were not allowed to be in the room when a family member was testifying, nor were we allowed to talk in the halls as we waited for our turn. Imagine reliving two years of traumatic experiences being cross-examined where you're made out to be a liar and then not able to have your family comfort or support you afterwards. It is not ideal. There was enough to put him away for a year and a half, as well as grant a felony restraining order. We moved while he was still incarcerated. My sister passed while he was in prison and he immediately tried to sue her estate. She was 21 at her death, when he was released. He claimed that her testimony for him running his car at her and her partner was false, and the only reason he was locked up, not the case as there were harassment and stalking charges, and that the money people donated to a GoFundMe for her accident, he was entitled to. There's so many more details, but this was already long enough, so neighbor man, let's never meet again. You made us prisoners in our home for years. Clearly, you are still the same and have not learned a thing from your time locked up. Do you enjoy science, spooky stories, and all things paranormal? We do too. While we would love for most paranormal stories to be true, we are here to tell you that they probably aren't. But that doesn't make them any less fun to speculate about. We are the Spooky Science Sisters podcast. 
In this podcast, we bring you bi-weekly discussions on possible scientific explanations behind the supernatural. Backed up by research articles and other credible sources, we do deep dives into things like archaeology and physics and share in-depth discussions with topic experts. Visit us at SpookyScienceSisters.com to listen to a couple of skeptics debunk some of your favorite alien encounters, cryptid sightings, and ghost stories with science, sass, and a significant amount of laughter. Thank you, and stay spooky. Our next one is from a user called I Dated the Bard. His murder ballad was picked up by local radio. During college, I dated a fairly well-known and talented local musician named Tim. As horrible boyfriends tend to be in the beginning, he was loving, attentive, charismatic, seemingly normal. He made me mixtapes, cooked me my favorite meals, and dedicated songs to me at open mics around town. I, young, foolish, naive, was deeply smitten by his mysterious, dark, artistic allure. However, over the course of our year-long relationship, his mental health severely declined. He had the ability to appear lucid and normal around other people. But in private, he began suffering delusions, compulsively lying, and creating art that focused on themes of rape and murder. I was worried sick, and his condition was exhausting, but I did my best to be kind, understanding, and supportive. I loved him, and believed that he shouldn't have to struggle with his mental illness alone. One time he vanished without a trace for a full day. I found his apartment empty, lights on, front door wide open, phone on his nightstand. I took a few deep breaths and called around the city for hours before finally discovering he had been involuntarily checked into a mental hospital. I did my best to be strong for him, seeing him every day during supervised visitation hour, bringing him his favorite books to pass the time and holding him as he sobbed that it was all a mistake, that he did not belong there. It was surreal to see my gentle, intelligent, normal, albeit depressed boyfriend surrounded by visibly insane long-term psych ward patients. For real, the place was like something out of a horror movie. In retrospect, none of the staff ever told me the real reason why he was there and I was too polite and naive to ask. Our relationship ended a few months later. I found undeniable evidence that he was cheating on me and, secretly relieved, I confronted him. I told him to leave my apartment and never come back. He cracked. The gentle Tim I had known and loved melted away to reveal a new persona with dead, wild, animal eyes. He threatened to kill himself with pills unless I took him back. But I was so extremely done that I called the police. They weren't much help, but Tim left. I blocked him everywhere and never contacted him again, but he left me insane voicemails from different numbers for weeks afterwards. I was relatively unshaken and things returned to normalcy. I graduated and got a sweet job in the same cool college city. Six months later, I woke up to concerned texts from mutual friends saying that they didn't want to freak me out, but... Tim was off his meds, clearly manic, and was posting a newly written song all over social media. His best friend, who hadn't been in touch since before the breakup, sent me an apology along with a screenshot of the lyrics. 
that got my attention. I won't copy-paste them here because they'll lead back to his band camp. But the song was pretty explicitly about my rape and murder, but in a sort of cleverly disguised way. It's catchy too, you bastard. I checked his profile myself from a friend's account, and he was posting dozens and dozens of totally insane, rambling statuses. Most of them about me. They flip-flopped between flowery love prose and murder imagery. His friends were reacting with concern, but a few egged him on, probably thinking he was just venting about his ex. I decided it would be best to continue ignoring him, but I saved screenshots just in case. A few days later, while at work, I looked up from my computer to see Tim enter into the far side of the studio. My blood turned to ice. He was talking to my creative director. It looked cordial enough, and I saw Tim begin to casually scan the studio. I ducked down and bolted into my favorite project manager's office, slammed the door and unleashed upon her what must have been a nearly unintelligible explanation of what was happening. I was shaking so hard I could barely speak. But Nancy was amazing. She understood almost immediately. She snuck me out of the building and drove me in her car to the police station where I showed the officers the screenshots and filed a report. My co-workers later told me Tim was there to inquire about the open designer position. He had brought with him a portfolio and an elaborately fabricated work history that sounded legit. At the end of his interview, he casually asked if I still worked there. He said we used to collaborate. Oh, and he had written a song for me, and it had been picked up by a local radio this morning. He asked my co-workers to let me know with warmest regards. That phrase still makes my skin cruel. He then left, found my abandoned car in the parking lot, and paced behind it until the police arrived. Unfortunately, he wasn't enough of a public menace for police to bring him in that day. But the incident helped me secure a restraining order against him. My company was amazing, too. I was deeply embarrassed about my literally insane ex coming to the studio, but the CEO filed trespassing charges against him and created an action plan to keep me safe if it happened again. Not long afterwards, I moved to a different city, and that was that. I haven't heard from him since. But I discovered the most alarming part later. His roommate at the time, Liz, went through a similar experience with him during his breakdown. And when we compared notes much later, she said she had seen a large axe in Tim's car the same week it had all gone down. She said she was worried about Tim's Facebook activity, so she removed and hid the axe. Tim was so angry that he completely trashed their house and never came back. And if our timelines are correct, that would have been just before he came to my workplace for his interview. Well, ladies and gentlemen, thank you very much for listening. I hope you are having a great time and I hope you continue to do so. That is it for this episode. But if you want to listen to other stuff, there is loads of episodes available or check out the links in the description for our YouTube and other places where we also make awesome content. Until next time, folks, peace out.
You've worked hard for what you have, your money, your assets, your 401k and home. Isn't it all worth protecting? Nearly one in four consumers have been a victim of identity theft. LifeLock Ultimate Plus helps protect your finances with up to $3 million in reimbursement. LifeLock alerts you to identity threats you might miss. And if your identity is stolen, your dedicated U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. Let LifeLock help protect what you've worked so hard for. Save 25% off your first year on LifeLock Ultimate Plus at LifeLock.com aware. Terms apply. True terrors of horror, bizarre happenings, unexplainable events. On our podcast, Disturbed, Terror Takes Center Stage. Each episode is a journey into the darkest corners of human existence, delving into bone-chilling tales of kidnappings, serial killers, maniacs, and the very essence of your worst nightmares coming to life on this weekly true horror show. Disturbed is not for the faint of heart. It's an exploration of real, unadulterated horror sourced from everyday people. Each episode is a descent into the macabre, where we narrate stories that will leave you on the edge of your seat and crawling in your skin. We navigate the disturbing narratives that lurk in the shadows, offering a raw and unfiltered listen into the most terrifying aspects of the human experience. Enter at your own risk and let the unsettling tales unfold in the haunting realm of Disturbed. And remember, listeners, stay safe out there.